Welcome to Hope's Garden and the Bridegroom Speaks podcast with Laura Ercolino. Today we're going to begin to look at a different interpretation of the Song of Songs. Normally at Hope's Garden in our Brides of Christ classes, we look at the Song of Songs as being the love song that is being sung between the bridegroom, between the Holy Trinity, and every soul. We look at our souls as being soul brides, brides of Christ. But the model, the one that we're to imitate in how to be a soul bride of Christ is Mother Mary. And so today we're going to look at the song as being the duet that has been eternally sung between the heart of Mary and the heart of the Holy Trinity, her spouse. At Hope's Garden, Mary, under the title of Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mystical Rose of God, is our patroness. And so before I read a verse from the song and begin to talk about how Mary is the bride and the one who is our model, mother of the brides of Christ, who teaches us how to be soul brides, I first would like to give you an image to just close your eyes for a moment and picture Mary as the mystical rose. And this is an an image that comes to my mind when I contemplate her under this title. And I just see this beautiful, full, just the largest rose you can imagine. Imagine the sky almost being filled with this beautiful, pure white, yet almost translucent rose that is just filled with this sparkling gold. And what is most awesome and mystical is that this rose, Mary, full of grace, just continues to open and bloom. There's no ending to the the petals of this rose and the continuous blooming and opening, opening to the shower of dew, the grace of God falling down like sparkling dew drops that falls from heaven and falls onto the petals of Mary. And Mary, as mystical rose, mediatrix of all graces, doesn't hold this grace all for herself. She allows it to pass through her shimmering petals and fall down onto the garden of God, onto the garden of our hearts, into our hearts, so that our hearts can be opened and bloom and grow in the virtues and our hearts can become more and more an icon, an image of the perfect spouse of the Holy Spirit, the true bride of the Song of Songs, our Mother Mary. And when I contemplate this image and I think about the grace of God falling like dew, in the scriptures, it tells us that this dew is a symbol for God's grace, for his fertility, and the fertility in particular of his life-giving love that then allows us to give birth to his love out in this world. And I think of the lines from the Song of Songs in verse 5-2, we hear the bridegroom saying to his bride, open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one, For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of night. And we can hear the Lord saying this to our blessed mother from the moment of her conception, from her immaculate conception, opening her heart to him so that he could fill her, just continually 
filling her with these dew drops of grace. Like from the beginning of time, he anticipated Mary's yes. And so from the moment of her conception, she was conceived without sin and conceived full of grace and always being full of grace, filled with grace again and again in every moment, just grace being poured upon her. And he anticipated her need for all that grace to be able to say yes to what he was going to ask of her. And when we open and say yes to him the way that Mary did, he comes in every moment filling us with his grace. And that he wants us to remember what he told us, that we can do nothing apart from him. Nothing, nothing. We don't take a breath of air, but by the force of his grace, the power of his grace in us. We are here existing because of his love for us and the grace that he pours upon us that it's his love and grace that keeps everything in motion, that keeps everything alive. And so just like Mary, we need to be constantly saying yes and opening to him and receiving that grace that he wants to fill us and fill us and fill us to overflowing with his grace. And the more of his grace we allow him to pour into us, the more we become terrible as an army with banners. And again, it keeps coming back to, it's not in what we do. It's in how much we draw close to him and receive what he wants to do in us, what he wants to give to us. All the striving to be perfect, all the striving to do everything well, we need to just stop, like take a break and sit with him and open. And sometimes it helps me to remember that to like physically, right, to use our bodies in prayer and say, Lord, I open myself to you. I open my hands the way that I'm opening my heart. I open my hands. I bow my head and I open my hands to you. And I want to receive all that you have to give me. Anticipate all my needs. He knows everything we need. He's got it all. He's ready. He's right there in front of you, closer than the air that you breathe. He's right there within you waiting to give you everything you need. He's already anticipated it all and he has it all for you. But we have to ask, we have to ask. We have to trust in him that he has it and that the moment that we need it, he will give it. And we have to ask and open. And Mary knew this from the beginning of her being. She knew that she was nothing without God, that she was his lowly servant and that it was him who raised her up not of her own doing. And I just saw again, St. Bernard's famous quotes <laughs> about the three most important virtues, humility, humility, humility. And this is what we can learn from Mother Mary is true humility, right? She knows she's his lowly servant, but he also, she also knows that he has called her blessed for all generations because of what he has done. And so she doesn't, you know, debase herself. She doesn't deprecate herself or talk negative about herself, right? She doesn't beat herself up and call herself a worm. No, she says, because of him, all generations will call me blessed. She knows where her grace comes from. It comes from God. Why is she terrible as an army with banners? Because God has made her so. And that's true humility, knowing who we are in God. And God says, we have dignity. 
and we have grace and we have beauty and we have power because he gives it to us. On our own, we can do nothing. With him, we can do all things. There's an E.E. E. Cummings poem that has always been one of my favorites that comes to mind so often when I contemplate Mary as mystical rose and the way that Jesus touches us with his grace. So I'd like to take a minute and actually read it to you and then talk about what it what it's meant to me. And I, I really hope that this speaks to your heart also and gives you some more images to bring into your prayer to contemplate this being his rose and opening your petals to receive his grace. So this is by E.E. Cummings, and it's called Somewhere I Have Never Traveled, Gladly Beyond. Somewhere I have never traveled, gladly beyond any experience. Your eyes have their silence. In your most frail gesture are things which enclose me, or which I cannot touch because they are too near. Your slightest look easily will unclose me, though I have closed myself as fingers. You open always, petal by petal, myself, as spring opens, touching skillfully, mysteriously, her first rose. Or if your wish be to close me, I end my life will shut very beautifully, suddenly, as when the heart of this flower imagines the snow, carefully, everywhere, descending. Nothing which we are to perceive in this world equals the power of your intense fragility, whose texture compels me with the color of its countries, rendering death and forever with each breathing. I do not know what it is about you that closes and opens. Only something in me understands the voice of your eyes is deeper than all roses. Nobody, not even the rain, has such small hands. And this is how Jesus touches us. Nobody, nobody but him, not even the rain, has such small hands. And he said that this is why we need to continually be saying yes to this dewfall upon us, the dewfall of his grace. Because even to love, even to have the ability to open to him, we need him. We need his grace. Only he can open our hearts, dilate our hearts, unfold the petals of our hearts over and over, continually, eternally, perpetually to keep receiving, keep receiving the dew of his grace. We can do nothing apart from him, nothing, not even open to receive him. For a long time, I had such a fear of being prideful, especially in particular spiritually prideful, because I had been a victim of what that spiritual pride, I've endured it. I see what it's done to my children. You know, I, I, I know it. And so I, that was like fear, 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 at which he doesn't want us to be afraid of anything. Right. And I thought it was good 
to be afraid of pride, but he had to teach me, no, he doesn't want us to fear anything. And the way he finally got it through to me was he taught me to love humility. Don't fear pride. Don't worry about pride. Just love humility. Pray for humility. Draw close to Mary. She'll teach you humility, he told me over and over again. Read the saints. He would send me to the saints who wrote so beautifully in the way that my heart could understand about what is true humility and how to be humble. But don't fear, you know? And so one that's one of the things that he taught me is when we're fearing a particular sin or a particular vice, to look for the opposing virtue and draw close to that virtue, ask for the grace to grow in that virtue, but don't ever let fear. He doesn't want any fear in us because like I've said before, it's like the, the evil spirits smell that fear like sharks smell blood in the water. That's what fear is to them. And, and they will just keep attacking and attacking and they can smell even the teeniest drop of that fear. And so he doesn't want us to have any fear and he wants us to grow in virtue and to become more and more like Mary than even we want it, right? So just like he was saying how he anticipated all of her needs, he has anticipated all of ours. He knows what our weaknesses are. He knows what are the things on our individual paths, the obstacles we're going to run into, our weaknesses along the path, our own concupiscence where we tend what sins we tend to lean towards. He knows all that. So we don't need to fear it. We don't need to fear ourselves. We don't need to fear our fallen humanity. We just need to keep offering it to him and loving him and loving Mary more and more and more and asking them for the grace to overcome what are those particular weaknesses and obstacles in our path to holiness. So we have this Eve in us, but we also have the new Eve in us. We have Mary in us. She is our new mother our perfect mother, the unique dove, right? And so what Augustine was talks about is that we all have this concupiscence. We all have these fleshly desires and passions, and it's okay. God knows that. This is who we are, right? But the idea is the goal as we mature, as we grow, is to not be ruled. And if you think even about the maturing of a human person, when we're babies, we are ruled by those human passions, right? We cry when we're hungry. We cry when we're cold. Like that's all we can do is think about our needs, our physical needs and wants. And the idea is, is that as we grow, someone meets those needs and helps us to distinguish between needs and wants and to have self-control. And so as we grow and we mature in the spiritual life as well, we want our interior woman to begin to look more and more like Mary to become an image of Mary, like we talked about in Brides 2, an icon, an icon of Mary. And we want that interior woman to make the exterior woman subject to her. We want to become less and less subject to our fleshly passions and desires. And we want the interior woman, we want Mary to rule over us. And when that begins to happen in our prayer, in our thoughts, it pours out into our speech, into our actions, into the way that we relate with others. And this then is how we pour what we receive, the graces we receive from Jesus through Mary. That's then how it begins to pour out of us into the world. But it's this idea of becoming. He wants us to become more and more like Mary. And he knows. And this is why we need to draw close to him and be asking him even in everything, 
how do you want me to pray today? What spiritual reading do you want me to do this Lent? We don't need to decide any of it on our own. He knows what we need. Take it all to prayer. Make it all conversation with Jesus. You know, thinking about how Mary in this place of complete openness and trust and a constant yes. So she had no, no reason to have to question her motives, to question her actions. She could have peace yeah. about herself. Yeah. And like she was just, she knew who she was in God. And what more do we need to, <laughs> to know? <laughs> you know? When I feel myself closing or the situation around me making me feel like I'm, I'm closing, I will use a physical motion of openness. And when I do it, my head goes up. Like without even thinking about it, my head refocuses on what is above. And so if we're always living in this openness and our focus on Christ, he'll tell us everything we need to know about ourselves. You know, it really becomes, and father taught me that, you know, just in conversation or in confession and say, oh, do you see what your mistake was? And now I know, oh, I was talking to myself again. And when I'm talking to myself and I'm not talking to Jesus, I'm often have found I'm not even really talking to myself. I'm talking to the enemy. I don't even want to look at myself and reflect on my own behavior without looking at Jesus and asking him what's going on inside me. Help me figure this out because he's the light of truth. If I go in there by myself, it, it's not going to be very fruitful. It's not going to be very productive. And it doesn't usually bring me into the light. It usually causes me to spiral more into the darkness. And so getting into that habit of just constant, my self conversation, my interior conversation changed so much years ago, um, going through the divorce and everything and have the PTSD and all that kept me in my head. It was torment, you know, being, feeling like I couldn't even control my own thoughts, my own mind because of the, the PTSD and things. And when that was gone and I could just choose to all day long be in conversation with Christ, it, it, it changes, changed everything. It, it really did. It changed everything. And I think that I know myself better now than I did in all those years of therapy that was telling me to look at myself. Does that make sense? It's not that we don't, it's like what Catherine of Siena, God tells her, right? That the more that we come to know him, then he reveals our true selves to us. Doing it on our own. He wants us to have self-knowledge. We have to have self-knowledge. It's not about, you don't need to know yourself. You do, but you need to know who God says you are. You need God to show you yourself because you don't want to end up being fooled and having it be the enemy who's showing you yourself. And you don't want to do it on your own. And that's part of humility is knowing I can't even know my, my true self. You have to reveal that to me. You have to help me in this journey to know myself better. Because he knows us and he knows we are perfect because he created us to be perfect. He knows our potential. He knows how perfect we can be when we open and receive what he has for us. When we allow him to love us into full bloom, when we allow him to lead us into being who he created us to be, that's where our perfection is. It's not in what we do. Again, it's in having the humility to know I can't do anything on my own. I cannot become who I was created to be. I can't fulfill the mission you've given me without you. I have to stay in constant union with you. And so be perfect. Be perfect as Mary is perfect in again and again, renewing your yes. In an again and again, opening. But what's the theme that pulls all this together? 
And so two things that I think that to take away and really pray into and remember are that one, everything about Mary, it, he doesn't want this and she certainly doesn't want her perfection, her being the unique dove, the perfect one to make us feel distant from her. She wants us to draw closer to her because her destiny is our destiny. Her assumption, her perfectness in grace and the beauty of God, being an image of God, her perfectness in being able to say yes to God, this is what he wants with all of us. This complete union, this oneness with his heart, oneness with his will, this is our destiny too. And so draw close to her as our mother, the one who we can become like, the one who wants us to be like her, who wants to teach us how to grow in this faith, in this union with Christ, to be one with him. Don't let it scare you off and say, she can't relate to me. She can. <laughs> the image that I sent earlier this morning that I found just today of, of Mary weeping. I can't remember, Our Lady of Tears, I think the icon with the, the drawing was called. And as soon as I saw it, I knew, like I heard her saying, she weeps with us. She weeps for us. She knows our pain. If you think about it, if Mary and Jesus are one, if their hearts are one, then all the suffering that he's done with us and for us, she does too. She does too. She knows our pain just as he does. And she desires our healing and she desires our presence in heaven with them as much as he does. They're one. And so we need to draw close to her too, just as we draw closer and closer to the bridegroom. And I also think another theme in this being open that we can do nothing apart from him, that we need his grace for everything that we do. When we are striving for humility, if we just spent more time asking him to reveal the truth of himself to us, to show us his face, to let us hear his voice, to be open to his presence, the more we come to know his awesomeness, the more we grow in humility, in true humility. He shows us how awesome he is and how little we are, but how that's okay. It's a kind of littleness. I went to sleep last night thinking, oh my gosh, you are just so beautiful in every way. All our lives, we were told how little we were, how we were nothing, but it was by someone who kept his foot on us to keep us down because we were little, we were nothing, and he was everything. And Jesus says, you are little, you are nothing without me, but I want to raise you up. I want you to be my bride. I want you to be my queen. I want you here at my right side. I want to pick you up. I don't want to keep you under my foot. I don't lord it over you that I am everything and you are nothing. I want you to be a part of my everything. I am everything because you are in me. All of creation, all of you, all of your beauty is in me. And that is why I am everything because you're a part of this. You're a part of me. And so I pick you up in your littleness. And I hold you in my heart. I don't keep you down. I don't crush you in your littleness. I lift you up. And that's true humility. 
For more resources and our consecration to Christ the Bridegroom, visit hopesgarden.com, the sanctuary where the spousal love of Christ the Bridegroom heals hearts, marriages, and families. You may also want to join our community powered by Mighty Networks. Download the Mighty Networks app and find us at Hope's Garden.